So what I was talking about last week was um, the Philadelphian age. It's a church age. And it's mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3, the seven church ages. There are also prophetically seven literal church ages throughout from Jesus' time and Paul's time to, to now. And we're living in the Lacedaemonian age. We do not want to be in that church. And I said, you can be a Philadelphian type person, but in a Lacedaemonian church that's neither hot nor cold, out of season. Um, and so, you know, we, we've got to be, you know, absolutely going for the Lord like never before. Because after Revelation 7, that's uh, 4, it doesn't talk about church anymore, it talks about people, a body of people. And I believe that prophetically we're about to see a Philadelphian type of person come on the scene. And if we have a look in Isaiah, um, it talks about that this type of person will have the key to David. <clears throat> and it's a remnant company of people. It says in Isaiah 22, verse 21 and 23, I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt and I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be the father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder so he shall open and no one shut and he will shut and no one will open. You see what it's talking about there, this last time, it's done this the second time, Siri just comes on. Somebody's listening. Siri just comes on, so... Um, so, but it talks about what is the key of David? Isaiah 22, verses 21 to 23. But it talks about this key of David. So what does the key of David represent? It represents three things. It represents that this body of people that are coming from the church, it's a remnant company of people, they're going to have authority. They're going to have power. But they're also going to have access to the throne room of God. And so last week we really prayed this in, um, that we would have access in the throne room of God, because one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire of him in his temple, Psalm 27. And this is what this body of people will do. They will just inquire of the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to do? But tell us how you want to do it but they will have the power and the authority. We need some people with some power and authority, don't we? But it's going to come on a bunch of people, as I was saying last week, with such authority and such power that somebody can stand up against the bushfires that are happening in Australia and call the rain down. That's coming. This body of people will be able to turn a tornado to the side, go round, go to the left, or hurricanes, or whatever. They will have complete control as the Lord had control. You know, he said to the storm, be quiet. And the storm was quiet. It's incredible promises. We were highly sung about it today. We will have the sevenfold spirit on us. The spirit, the fullness of the spirit of God. Just as Jesus had in John 1 verse 51, he had an open heaven above him. So will this body of people have an open heaven. How many people want an open heaven where all the angels of God, absolutely, Angela, I'm, I'm hungry for this, aren't you? I am so hungry for it, and I am so expectant for it. How many people got a year of expectancy? I'm going to prove something to you. I was sat at the back, and the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. So I quickly wrote it down, and I'm going to bring this to you now. This is fresh. This has come out, you know, I, I didn't make this up, I just pulled this out. But it's already feeding my spirit, if you know what I mean. I'm, my spirit's already there and I'm just getting these little downloads that are adding to the bigger picture. But we, as I keep saying, we will not be a thermometer anymore. We will be the temperature gauge, the, the temperature control. We will turn it up and we will turn it down. We will walk into hospitals and clear them. We will walk into a school of assembly and the whole school will come to the Lord. We won't be teaching our kids to play with themselves. We'll be teaching the things of God. 
But school kids will get up and start full, full of the Holy Spirit. Young little kids will turn the hearts of teachers back to the Lord. This is going to come in incredible, incredible time of darkness. Because it says in Psalm uh, Isaiah 60 that darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. But we will be a light. And it says that even the very Gentiles will come to that light when we start arising and shining. I'm tired. I don't want to hear about somebody with cancer or a father and mother being given dreadful news about their children. We're going to change that. There are, can I tell you something? There is going to be a body of people that will turn genetics around. They will alter genes in somebody with Down syndrome or whatever and turn it around. Somebody will say, oh, you know, you've got this genetic disorder. We will turn it around. How many people are after that? Now, listen, I, I'm after that, but it's not going to fall into your lap. You have got to be disciplined. You have got to be setting time aside where you wait upon the Lord. Not just in prayer. The Lord has been waking me up at crazy hours. Um, and, you know, I'm getting up and finding myself just spending... You know, a lot of time with, in the presence of the Lord. Early in the morning. And this has been going on for weeks. And Heidi will tell you, this, this is unlike me. I like my eight hours. You know, I, I know I need a bit more beauty sleep. Don't know what you're laughing at, Richard. You need a good 12 hours, mate. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to have such a power and authority. And we will literally, we're on the brink of something. Because, you know, when you have a look prophetically at what um, the whole thing of the Brexit debate, you know, that's coming to an end. We're going to leave Brexit, praise the Lord. But we've got five years of grace. We've got, in this country, we've got five years of grace. And I've been in touch with Brother Sadhu. And uh, when I said to Brother Sadhu when we were driving down to London, I said, look, Brother Sadhu, I just feel that we've got to go to, to Scotland. We've got to go to Scotland. And I didn't, and Northern Ireland. And I haven't got a clue. You know, I do have a clue, actually. That's not true. I do know what sort of what prophetically is happening. And so, Brother said he's praying over that, and, you know, John Knox walks into his room and says, Brother, I want you to go to Aberdeen. And Brother said he says, Well, where's that? <laughs> and John Knox had a, a, a big map appeared on the bed of, you know, in his room, and he said, It's just here. And then we were here having a prayer meeting uh, on the Saturday and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go there. I turned to page 50 in a book that we've had there for years. 50 speaking of what? Jubilee. And there it says, great revival broke out in Aberdeen. Led by who? One of the people was John Knox. Where do, they, where do the revivals come from? If you read on further, they came from Northern Ireland. Who's buried in just outside Northern Ireland, uh, in Northern Ireland? St. Patrick. These are the saints that have gone before. So when St. Patrick turns around and says, no more snakes in this island, guess what? There aren't any snakes in Northern Ireland or, or Ireland. You know, and, and they, they started something that we will complete. And I believe if we press in and we're given one more chance... Before we go into judgment, if we don't grasp this chance, this one more, which is revival. If we don't steward it well, if we don't really cling on and guard it and protect it, we will lose it. And then the consequences of that is horrendous. We, you know, but I believe we've been given one more time and we've been given a time of grace. And when I prophesied about Ezekiel out of Ezekiel 4, you know, where it's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, declares the Lord, and it talks about grace. You can only do this through grace. And I didn't have the fullness of what the Holy Spirit was saying in that. But I want to bring this to you now. You know, we're saying, we were standing at the back and talking, and, and I said, you know, a few weeks ago that 2020 will bring war to Israel. You know, it's not, but it's not going to be bad. It's going to be good. Israel are going to take back, you know, uh, things. I believe that we will see, starting, starting this year, we will start seeing Israel gaining ground and being able to build the temple. 
Now, whether they build a temple in 2023, but it's starting now. So when we hear on the news about this guy, Suleimani, who is a terrorist, he has been responsible for killing a lot of our men in Iraq and in Afghanistan. He's been responsible for killing a lot of Americans. Our government, under Ed Miliband, when his brother was Foreign Secretary David Miliband, the SES had him lined up to, to kill him. Back in 2008, I think it is. Not sure on the date. And they said, can we have the go? This is the SES. We want to take... We've been after this guy for a long time. And, Ed, and David Miliband said no. Donald Trump has come out with a lot of bluster against Iran. But now we've seen the first time that he's acted. He didn't just take out this guy. He took out his lieutenant as well. He took out his number two. So, you know, I totally believe that the Lord is preparing a conflict that I believe will be Psalm 83 and Ezekiel 38 following because Iran is going to get involved. But Iran have been using their proxies. Who are their proxies? Right on the borders of Israel, Syria, but Hezbollah. Hezbollah have got 20,000 troops on the northern border of Israel. And if you look in uh, Psalm 83, it talks about them coming to a war where they completely overcome and defeat their surrounding enemies. Not the further ones of Ezekiel 38. You read the chapters. It's talking about two different. Because in Ezekiel 38, it talks about them being in peace and without walls. Now Israel is not at peace, and they've never been without walls. We've been there, and if you've been to different parts of Israel, you'll find that there are walls all over the place. But there's something different about Ezekiel 38 when all the nations come against Ezekiel. You, do you know what they found in, do you know what they have found in Israel just in the last month? Come on. Come on. You've got to start digging. You've got to start prophetically looking at things. Not oil. Almost. They've had a, pl- a, a um, platform called the Leviathan. It's founded one of the biggest deposits of gas. The biggest deposits of gas. Who supplies most of the gas in Europe? Russia. Russia, the reason why Russia want to take Syria is that they can transport their gas to a seaport very quickly instead of going all the way around. That's what they want to do in Syria. They've been after this, get this, this gas line, this gas pipeline, through 30 years. And, and now, Israel have not just been... I mean, they've been putting gas in their own country and for their own people for a long time now. But now they've got the richest deposit of gas that we've ever seen, that they will supply to Europe and America. There are going to be a bunch of people not very happy about that. Do you see what I mean? Things are lining up. Things are lining up for war. Because we know in Ezekiel 38, what are they coming for? Bounty. Treasure. Minerals. Gas. Oil. Mm, And it goes on. So folks, we have got to waken up. You know, it's not just me bringing stuff forward. We should all be bringing this stuff forward. So when I wake up in the morning and hear about this guy getting killed, my antenna has gone up. Because why? Because the Saudis have been involved. United Arab Emirates have been involved. All these Arab nations have been involved to take this guy out. And there's even, even though Donald Trump his men on the ground, but they were helped by Israel. They were helped by Mossad and the army intelligence. They were all helped. They all worked together, unheard of. And the Saudis were the first to say, go on, do it, do it. But they've been waiting for this time. The intelligence of it, he flew in at five o'clock in the morning. And the intelligence was incredible. To put that together... And have a drone up there, it took weeks of things that you know are happening way, way, you know, below the surface. And Israel is at the center of it. 
Totally. So, we know that the Lord is about to bring a remnant company of people um, to the fore. But what does 20 mean? Because we're in 2020, double. Here's a little thing, double, double 20 is what? 40. What, is, what happened to the Israelites for 40 years? They wandered around the desert. Wandered and went through trials and things like that. But 20 is an interesting Hebrew word. It's kath. K-A-P-H. Kath. Kath. So kath is right in the center of 2020 and what's coming. But kath is basically, it means cut palm. A cut palm. That's a cut palm. So you have a cut palm. And there's some debate going on because, you know, one shows a cut palm like that, open, and the other one is a cut palm that's closed like that. But it means the same thing. But they can mean two different things. The first one, it's basically um, signifies giving freely. Here you go, freely. Remember what I said about five? Five years we've got here being given freely signifies something, guys. It seems that God's going to give something freely. It's going to be grace, 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 grace. It's going to be freely open-armed, open-handed, going to give us something this year. I'm going to bring in some biblical foundation to this before moving on. But it also means cut. Now, that means redemptive. It's a covering. It's a covering. Who covered us? Jesus, it's going to be a body of people that know who they are. They have been cut and forgiven and washed by the blood of Jesus. There is nothing that can hold you back from this because we're washed clean. Because he paid the price. It's those that will know that they're loved by the Lord. Because he covered every sin. And therefore freely he can give. Do you see? Prophetically, this is what the Holy Spirit was just saying to me at the back when the kids were chatting away. I'm just saying, okay, Lord, you're... But here's what else. Um, so I believe that these mean two things. There's expectancy. There's a time of expectancy. What are we waiting for? We all put our hands up. We're all expectant. Even the very creation cries out. Even creation is crying out. They're expectant. For what? The sons of God to arise and take their place. The sons of God. You know, as I keep saying, if I'm a bride, ladies, you're a son. You're included in this. You know, something of expectation is coming. How do we know that 20 means something of expectation? Well, Genesis 21 verse 38 and 41 say that Jacob had to wait how long? How long did Jacob have to wait for the promises? 20 years. Had to wait 20 years to get possession of his wife. Yes? So there, there, there's one. Write that one down. Genesis 21. 21 uh, and 38 and to 41. And, and he had to wait for the property to be released. Now when I say this... In Brisbane, there is going to be a lot of people saying, Yahoo, we have been expecting this for a long, long, long time now. So there's going to be a release of things to the church, both spiritual and physical. There's going to be a release. This is 2020, and it's a double portion. It's a double portion. We have never been this way before. It's a double portion of, of, of being expectant, but the Lord's going to show up. He's going to have an open hand to us. It's like the scepter going to Esther. Come to the king's place. Take your place beside my side, side by side. You see? But however, so it took, it took Jacob 20 years to get out of the bondage of having to work and to strive and before he got Rebecca and was it no it wasn't uh, was it Rebecca his wife Rachel I thought it was Rachel or Rebecca but in Judges 4 
verse 3, it also shows Israel waited 20 years to be delivered from Jabin's oppression. They had to wait for 20 years to, to come out of the such harsh oppression by Jabin. So, uh, but then that you can really see that Israel was redeemed from the bondage that they were in for 20 years. So we can also see this of two ways. We can see it in a negative way. Oh, I'm waiting. I've really been waiting. Or we can see it as a release from our waiting. Do you see there's a big difference? It's a big difference how you think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As it says in Romans 12, verse 1. Be transformed. Because how you think here will able, enable you to walk it out. You know, you, you'll hear me boast about things. You'll hear me, because what am I doing? Is I'm declaring them. I'm declaring. Because if I talk big, I'm, guess what? I'm going to walk big. Going to walk big. Here's another one. Lads, guys, look at me. 20 years was the age, Joshua, the age that military service came in to all the men of Israel. All the men of Israel had to be at the age of 20 to go into military service. Guess what? I've been recruited. I've been recruited. I'm in, this, I'm in his army. This is the time of signing up. This is the time of just saying, Lord, I'm coming for you now. I'm in your army. I'm not, you are my commander-in-chief. Direct your army now, Lord. Direct your army. And... It's, it's positive. This is the end of 20 years. This is the time. So what happened 20 years ago? We moved into a new age. This is a new church age. I believe that these people have had 20 years of preparation. Now you might be, as Joshua is, 11 years old. But this was ordained before he was even born to be in this army. I want to be in this army. I'm coming up for 60 years old. So I'm in my 60th year. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to be stronger now than when I was in my 20s. That's what I'm training for. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, you know, I'm going for it. I'm keeping myself healthy. I'm, keep, I'm watching what I'm eating. I'm going for it, Lord, because I want to be. Here's something else. This is where I almost screamed at the back. I looked up, I said, okay, how many times in the Bible does it mention the number 20? Here it is. Listen to me, folks. Listen to me. 288 times the number 20 is mentioned. Now, what does that mean? 288. Harvard. Harvard. 144. There's two. I've been saying this for years. For three years, four years. There are two groups of Revelation 7 and Revelation 14. Two groups of 144,000. So now the 144,000 are going to start rising up. This is the year of expectancy. So when I saw that, oh Lord, here we go. Doesn't that excite you? You can't make this up. But you've got to follow the trail of what the Holy Spirit is saying. You've got to say, okay, 288. I screamed when we were at the back. 145. I got it straight away. It was like revelation. I got it. I don't have to go to the Lord and wait on him. I just got it because it's already in me. It's the rising up of the 144,000. This is our year. So when I bring this message to one of the messages that the Lord has told me to bring in Brisbane, all about this subject, it is so controversial, I cannot even tell you. I mean, I love some great men and women of God that have gone to be with the Lord. Great teaching, and I love it, you know, but I don't agree with some of them. Especially, I mean, these are great people. I'm not, you know, dissing them at all. They are fantastic people. But I've heard what they say uh, over the subject, and I disagree with them. 
I still love them, but I disagree with them. And uh, I wanted to write this in an article for Neville, Neville Johnson, the Academy of Light. And both Mark and Neville wrote to me saying, Andy, can you take that out of the article? This is about two years ago. Can you take that out of the article? And I said, why? I said, Ned, why? Why do you want me to take it out? He said, look, mate, it's, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just too controversial. I said, we agree with you. Totally agree with you. But this is going out to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And it's just too controversial. But I've been given a free reign now by the Lord. And I'm going to bring it with this to them in Brisbane. The army of 144,000 is arising up. It's a remnant. What I said last week, using scripture, it's a wheel within a wheel. It's a remnant of the remnant. And they will start doing what? John 14, 12. The greater works. I haven't seen people through the church ages doing the greater works. A body of people. I've seen individuals, but not a collective body of people who are going to be doing the greater works. Do you want to do the greater works as Jesus did? We're going to see when I say that the Lord is going to complete his plans and his purposes through a body of people, so we will complete the works of Jesus. This is what we're going to be doing. We're going to complete what he started. So last week when I prophetically was saying about the two catches, one at the beginning of Jesus' ministries and one at the end of Jesus' ministries, when they almost lost the catch at the beginning, he's talking about the church age. We almost lost it. I don't want to go back to the disciples' Pentecost because they almost lost the catch. Whereas the end time, Jesus, the end of the ministry, when Jesus says, put your net over, Right? The net didn't break. They hauled it ashore. And how many fish were there? Huge fish. 153. I'm going to find that out. But also, listen folks, this 144,000 that are coming out of Revelation 7 and Revelation 14, they're promised something. They're promised. You need to listen to this. Because I said it last week. And I'm going to say it again. When this gets dark, a group of people are going to come through it. Their tails, their clothes might be smelling of smoke, but it won't touch us. Because there will be a marking of this warrior. So when Jesus says to Joshua, right, which means Jesus, I want you to be a warrior for me. Guess what I've been seeing over the years? I told you, I've seen this, this, this guy walk in, what I call the scribe, and he marks us. He marks us. You know, and he puts a mark on our forehead. So this is what happens in the Israeli army in Ezekiel's time. If they came through a battle without being scathed or marked in the battle, they were deemed to be special. Incredible. And what would happen is that somebody, your commander, would put a mark on your forehead saying you've been marked, and it's incredible, but you've come through it unscathed. And we see this in Ezekiel 9, verse 4. Because then what it's saying is that when they put the mark on the forehead, it means it's saying the Lord has divinely protected you and delivered you. Divinely. There are going to be a body of people that are going to be divinely protected. Divinely protected as they do their father's business as they go about the kingdom business. Not church, not ministry, but kingdom business. In Ezekiel four, uh, 9, verse 4, it says, And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. What have we been doing here for over two years, three years? We've been crying out to the Lord, Lord, deliver us from the abominations that are happening in this land. You've been marked. If that has been your cry, you have been marked. Lord, no more. No more what's happening to our children. No more what's been taught in churches. No more of this. No more of this compromise. No more of the compromise of the word of God. Doesn't mean I'm unloving. I love the Lord. I love the Lord and I will not be compromised. 
I will not be moved from this. But we also see this where? Revelation 7, verse 3 and 4. Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. I am not worried about a mark of a beast. I want his mark on my forehead because then I'm divinely protected. Bond servant mentality. As soon as you say, I love my wife and I love my child, but I do not want to be free, he will nail your ear to his doorpost. So your ear will be attentive to his call. But he promises to do two things, provide for you and protect you. That's the bond servant mentality. That's what happens, that you're now his, fully his. No more compromise. No more going back to whatever. It's about pressing in. So, 144,000 of all the tribes of children of Israel were sealed. See, this bunch of people are going to bring an end in areas and places where a veil will be taken off people's eyes. In Isaiah 25, verse 7, he will destroy in this mountain the face, the covering cast over people and the veil that has spread over nations. How many of us want to take off the veils that have been blinding nations? Look at Russia. The veil has been taken off. People in Russia, in a way that's never been dreamt of, with the fall of communism, when the Berlin Wall came down. That's a whole different message. So how will you want to take some veils off some eyes to stop the drug trade in this city, to stop the prostitution that is in this city, to stop, take the eyes, take, uncover them so they can get the fear of the Lord and come running back to the Lord and say, I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm like the prodigal. I'm sorry, Papa. I've messed up. But Jesus, with your cupped hand over me, in this year 2020, I've been redeemed. So Josephine, you've been marked by the Lord. You are a warrior for the Lord. You are a Deborah for the Lord. Now, guys and girls, is the time to be serious for the Lord. Now is the time to be serious. We're getting, what have we had in this last week? Like never before. New birth. New children coming. You've got expecting grandparents at the back there. Tomorrow. There's new birth happening all around us. Twins. Sheila's uh, granddaughter. Twins were born. Josh and Joe. Little baby boy, called what? Elijah. It's the rise of Elijah. This is more prophetic. It's the rise of the spirit of Elijah. This is what God is saying to us as a church. The spirit of Elijah is rising over people. It's a new birth. It's a new expectation. Start pressing in now to the things of God. Because we will see crime halted in cities. Whole the sex industries will just be cleared out. But what about a nation? See, this is the kind of church that Jesus said will arise in the last times. And it will have such power and authority. And he says, whatever you open, no one can shut. And whatever you shut, no one can open. That's power and authority. But we've got to watch this. You will disqualify yourself if you gossip or slander or speak bad about somebody, especially a brother or sister. When we're seeing this now being exposed with Todd Bentley. Todd Bentley, I don't know if you know in the news what's happened to Todd, being exposed big time. I mean, not just a little exposure, but big time. You know, his ministry, ministry, in my opinion, should have ended 10 years ago. Yeah, but we've got to stand and call what is right, right, and what's wrong, wrong. But his ministry has, has come to an end, and it's been exposed. But here's what I'm saying is, Lord, you showed me this back in 2003. Why has it taken this long for the church to wake up? People's motives are going to be exposed like never before. I'm telling you, judgment is coming to the house of the Lord first and foremost 
before it goes out. <coughs> We're living in an exciting time. Would you, would you not agree? This is the most exciting time to be alive in Christ. To be alive. I've been told it's a few things that are happening that I'm, I'm being involved in. I'm going to be included. And I, I see it as an honour to be included in these things. But one of the things that's been upon my heart, and I've sp- spoken to Mark in Australia and to another guy who is, yeah, <laughs> um, he would end your life in the blink of an eye. He's ex-SES, done all the training, been at the head of the training, bringing concepts into the SAS. Came to the Lord just two years ago. And what we want, what's in our hearts, is we want to train the warriors. Including women in this, by the way. You know, we can't say it's just the men. No, we're going to train the warriors. And what it is to be a warrior. And uh, so we're going to do something in July, probably in, in Brisbane. Uh, we're not sure how it's going to go, but you know, one of the things I said to Joshua, you know, Joshua, I want to take you along. You know, he's 11 years old, but you know, he can go a lot further than this than I say guys have sat in church for the last 30 years. But the things of the spirit, as well as the things in the physical. So, Revelation 3, verse 8, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have a little strength, yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. This door is going to be, you know, what we open and what we shut. This is what it's talking about. You see, Philadelphia was used by the Greeks to spread their culture. Prophetically, what we're going to do is spread the culture of Jesus to nations, areas, and groups. Let's think big. Let's press in to some things that the Spirit of God has do, both physically and spiritually. And I want to say this, because this is the other thing. Remember what I said about having the mark on your forehead? Right? I want to show you something. And I think you should learn this off by heart. Revelation 3, verse 10. You need to learn this off by heart. Why? Because it's going to become more and more relevant to us, especially over these next few years. Because you have kept my command to persevere and be patient, also I will keep you from the hour of trial which is about to come on the whole world. I put in become. About to. That we're going to, kept, we're going to be kept and protected in this hour of trial that the world has never seen before. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. You know, the world has never seen the great tribulation that's coming on the world. But there's a body of people that will be... Do you want to be completely protected? Look at Psalm 91. A thousand may fall at my left and ten thousand at my right. But it will not touch my house. Why? Because he that dwells in the shadow of the Most High shall be covered. You can see why Psalm 91 is, is our psalm. Because it says here, my prayer, this is John 17, 15. This is Jesus praying over us. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So he's not going to take us out, but he'll protect us. You see what I mean? Subtly being twisted. But the Lord is going to be... Right? It also says in about this church in Philadelphia is that they'll be given a new name and also the candlestick will be restored. What's a candlestick represent? What does a candlestick do? Brings light. This group of people will carry the very presence of God in huge deep darkness. They will be the candlestick of 
Zechariah 4. Seven spirits of God. They will be the only light when there was darkness. That's what the candlestick in Zechariah 4 did. It brought the light in the Holy of Holies. Very dark place. But a body of people represented by this new candlestick. Here's another thing. The Holy Spirit's just dropped into my soul, into my spirit. It says in, 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 Ezekiel, in, in uh, uh, Revelation 3, talking about the Philadelphia, that they will not be shaken. As I mentioned last week, one of the things about the, set, the city of Philadelphia and the city of Sardis is that they were both rocked by earthquakes. And Jesus said about this group of people, they will, he will make them pillars in this temple. In other words, when the storms of what are coming, we won't be rocked. We won't be shaken. We will be remaining upright. This city was destroyed. Sardis was destroyed. It was the Emperor Tiberius that rebuilt it. Philadelphia was partially destroyed. But when we see the shaking that's coming upon the nations, we won't be shaken. We won't be rocked. But here's the thing. In the outer courts, how many pillars are there? In the outer courts? 20. See what I mean? 20 pillars in the outer courts. Don't check it. Don't take my word for it. But the Holy Spirit's just dropped that into me. Bit of information that's been wedged out the back and he's brought it into the front. Because in this time, we're going to get what we get in the inner court, in the Holy of Holies, we're going to bring out to the outer courts. It's going to be huge. It's so big, you can't get your head around it. Isn't it? Because we're going to see and usher in see Jesus coming back. It's, we're, we're, we're about to see it. Right, I want to just go on two things and then I'm going to finish. Because I want you to see this. Oh, my God. I've just seen it. Um, remember what I said about, um, in Psalm 91, about being protected? But in Joel 2, it speaks, there's, there's a sentence that says that those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? That is not an evangelistic sentence. We've made it into one, but that is not realizing what that, what that, that sentence is saying. Because when you look at what Joel, in Joel 2, verse 30 to 32, what it's actually saying there, it's talking about a company of people when the moon turns dark, or turns red, and the clouds, you know, all the rest of it. But those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I had a look at this word. And it means, in Hebrew, the word saved is a Hebrew word called malat. M-A-L-A-T, malat. Malat, if you're Yorkshireman, malat. Hereby go malat, but malay. And it means to escape, to be released, to be rescued, delivered and saved. Isn't that incredible? It's, to- it's not talking about being saved in the Lord, but it's talking about a deliverance, an escape to be delivered, to be saved from something. And we find it. We find what he's talking about. It says in Joel 2, verse 20 to 32, it will consist of those who are called by the name of the Lord will be filled with what? What does the word say? They will be filled with the power of the age to come. This body of people will be filled with the power of the age to come. I will show you wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Here we go. Blood and fire and the pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. This is his second coming. This is what it's talking about. And it shall come to pass, this is going to happen, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. As the Lord has said, 
among the remnant that the Lord calls. This is speaking to the remnant within the remnant. The Lord is calling us today for this. Do you want it? So how you think is what you will become. He, they have picked from the remnant whom the Lord has called. Whom the Lord has called. So what he's saying here, there's a remnant, but the Lord is now saying, I'm going to call this remnant, within the remnant. This is what the scripture is talking about. So there's a remnant, but now the Lord is calling the remnant from that within that remnant. And you can't do it. I'm just saying, if I'm sitting before the Lord, I'm crying out, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do a thing, Lord. I can't get up in Brisbane with four, six hundred people. But you can give me the, the strength to do it. You'll give me the message to take. You'll give me the message to stand up here and say these things. It's coming. It's coming. There's a separation of a people that is not coming out of the goats, it's coming out of the sheep. There's a separation of the sheep now. And I believe that this nation is not going to qualify as a sheep nation, but I'm praying and pressing in that we become a prince nation. I mean, Haggai and Hosea all talk about what? The latter being greater than the former. The latter rain being harder than the, the former rain. <clears throat> He's talking about a, a, a group of people. The latter, us, is going to be so much bigger than the former. So you can see why I don't want to return to what the disciples walked in, in the book of Acts. We're going to reenact something that is so much greater than the book of Acts. But we're going to do it in huge, huge persecution. And I want to finish with this. So how do we call upon this? This is, as you know, this is one of mine and Heidi's favourite verses. Daniel 11, verse 32b. But I want to show you something, what it says in Daniel 11, verse 32. For those that know their God shall carry out great exploits. Now that word know is not a word of a head knowledge. It's a one of an intimacy. That's what the word means. It's one of intimacy. For those, if you can reread that, for those that are intimate with him, they shall carry out great exploits. So it's your intimacy with the Lord that will carry you, enable you to do these greater things. I want to know him on this side as much as I'm going to know him on that side. I don't want to wait to get to that side to know him. I want to know him this side. See what I mean? One thing I ask of the Lord, you should get this imprinted, not just as your mind but in your heart. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in your presence, Lord. Seek you where you are in your temple, to gaze upon your beauty, Lord. That is my heart. This is what I want more than anything, so I can ask you loads of questions. That's what we've got to go for. This is what this verse is talking about. And few are getting it. Few are getting this. It's heartfelt intimacy. This remnant upon the, the remnant, the wheel within the wheel, will come out of an intimacy with him. Isn't that the way it should be? Can I say, stop striving? Just start loving. Stop striving. Oh Lord, I want you to walk in my room. Spend time with him and he'll walk in. Spend time with him and he, you, he will show his face to you. Jesus says, for I'm always with you. He's always there. This isn't a veil. He's, he says, I am always with you. Always with you. 
So Lord, I want to see you. I'm starting to see the Lord. I'm starting to see his face when I'm having that time at four or five o'clock in the morning where I'm just pressing in. I'm just saying, here I am, Lord. I've got the dog at my feet that's snoring. But Lord, I'm spending this time and it will go on until seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Why? Because the Lord's waking me up. He's calling me. I don't need my alarm to go off. He's waking me up. He's calling me. Andy, it's our time. It's our time, Andy. Wake up. I hear you, Lord, I'm coming. I might be wiping the sleep out of my eyes. But here I am, Lord. And Heidi says to me, don't you feel tired? No. I don't feel tired. I'm walking the dog at, you know, whilst it's still pitch black. I'm not tired. I might be tonight. (laughs) Revelation 3, verse 12. I will write on him my name. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes out of heaven and from my God. And I will write on him my new name. I'm not worried about what the the devil's doing. But here's what I want to do. I want to be on that last bend of that lap of a relay race We've been handed the baton as a church, as a church age. We have been handed this baton that other saints have run with and run with and run with, but we will complete the race. So when I have looked back and I'm saying, and he's saying, go, 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 and I start moving, and he shoves that baton into my hand, I want to be coming round that final bend and heading into that final straight, and the Lord Dad, Daddy God is saying, go, my son. He is out of his seat. He is screaming at me to run hard. And I'm going to tear through that line and finish the race stronger than how I've started it. Well, this is how normally, I'm a PE teacher. I've, as Ian knows, he was there. But I've watched kids, you know, when we're doing the baton race. Yeah, Ian. And I've watched, you know, when I say to kids, okay, kids, when the person's running to you, he will tell you when to run. And then you just do that and you run. Then you'll feel a, bat, a slap of that baton goes into your hand and run like the wind. This is what they do. Joshua, just move to me. You're going to pay me a baton. And you're meant to say go. And then he's saying, he's screaming at me, go, go, go. But I remain still and slap the baton. And I'm going, <laughs> getting tangled up. Whereas what we've got to do is be disciplined. Practice with intimacy with the Lord. Run and run. You're going to feel that baton and you're going to run with it. And we're going to tear around that corner and finish this stronger. Folks, do you want it? This is the year of expectancy. This is our year. You missed all this, Shatsy? The Lord spoke to me. Oh, 288, 144, 20 times the Bible, the word 20 is mentioned in the Bible, 288, 144, this is the rising up to be expectant. I've got other verses, I've got other verses that talks about after 20 years the gold and the silver is released. There is going to be finance to back this up this year. We need it. We need it to build the kingdom of God. We need it. So folks, when Brother Sadhu writes to me and says, Andy, can you organise um, a conference up in Aberdeen? This was yesterday. You know, this is like four o'clock in the morning, I'm reading this, as I'm going to my chair. A conference, how am I going to do that? We'll ask Richard. And then I said, oh, I'll ask Richard about the women's conference down in London. No, but Heidi then tells me about this woman that's been writing to her. Do you want to tell the story? This woman that writes to you. All right. All right. A woman who writes to her saying, I've just bought a church. 
Guess where the church is? Aberdeen. Just this huge church. Guess what it's called? St. Columbus. No. It's a church. She said, I don't know why I've done it. We're going, we know. <laughs> it might be, you know, it holds about 300 people. Three to 400 people. So folks, when we go up there for the conference, come with us. Because guess what? In the 1850s, when they had revival all around this area, there was been revival all the way through in that sort of area, all coming from Northern Ireland. But when they had the revival, guess where it came to? Yorkshire. Came to Yorkshire. Came not far from that road here, Ripon. The, 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 do you want to be carrying back a revival? Because that's where I think we're going to receive it. This is going to be our Mount Carmel for a bunch of people. So, folks, that's it. But listen, it's just started. 2000, I'm not saying this is all going to come in 2020. It's going to be the start of what the Lord is going to do in this year. So it's going to get dark, but we're going to get light. We're going to carry this to the four corners of this earth. I'm thinking to myself, why aren't the Christians piling around into New South Wales and commanding this for the rain to come? But there is going to be a bunch of people that are going to, it's going to if you take a, an 11-year-old who goes under the power of the Holy Spirit and commands rain to come down. Lord, if not me, then who? If not here, then where? If not now, then when? This is our now. This is the me. This is here. This is the word of God. Listen, I don't need to have 500 people to bring this word. I can have just a, a bunch of people that are alive to this word. That it becomes revelation to them. So we, Angela, can run with it. Together as a body of people. Not as individuals. But as a body of people. From the biggest, the fattest. You know, to, to whoever. I'm ready for it. Are you? So, Father, we ask you now. Lord, we have said yes, yes, and yes, amen to all of these things that you've been saying to us throughout the ages. And, Lord, we, and especially me and Heidi, and a lot of you, all of you, have been so expectant for these things to come about. But, Lord, 2020 is our year. This is the year, Lord, that we will be working with you as it says, roll your thoughts upon the Lord. And then he will establish your ways and they will be successful. So Father, we pray that out now. We have been in that word. We are so expectant. And now, Lord, you are cupping your hands towards us. You are doing a calf towards us. And Lord, we are expectant now for the 20 years to be over to now move into the new things, Lord, that you have prepared for a body of people for such a time as this. And I thank you, Father, because it says when we see the 144,000, you haven't lost one. Why? Because you say that you will deliver us, you will protect us, you will rescue us and keep us safe. And Lord, that should relieve any fear of anybody in this room that we will come through this. We will be successful. And Lord, we will not lose our lives. But Father, I'm prepared to lose my life if that's what you've called me to do. And love their lives, not unto death. Even unto death. And I thank you, Father, that you've set us apart. Each and every person who is hearing my voice or in this room, you have set us apart for this new age that is coming in us and around us. The power of this new age 
will accompany us wherever we go. And I thank you, Father. We will see sickness flee. We will see infirmity, even bodily genetics changing before our eyes. But Lord, that is so small in the comparison to what your kingdom is. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I thank you, Father, that you will include us in bringing your heaven down. And I thank you, Father. And I just pray a blessing over your houses, over each and every person, whether they know the Lord or don't know the Lord, or have an intimacy with the Lord but don't attend because of church. Lord, put the Spirit into them. Put the Spirit of Elijah. Put the Spirit of Joshua and Caleb into them. Into us all, Lord. And we call upon your name. And you will save us. And we know you, Lord. But just like Moses, Lord, show me your ways so I may know you. Intimately, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that we have a time of grace, grace, grace. To be light when this world gets dark. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.